0: Section 23 of The Green Fairy Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joseph Lawler. The Green Fairy Book. Edited by Andrew Lang. King Kojata. From the Russian. There was once upon a time a king called Kojata, whose beard was so long that it reached below his knees. Three years had passed since his marriage, and he lived very happily with his wife, but heaven granted him no heir, which grieved the king greatly. One day he set forth from his capital in order to make a journey through the kingdom. He travelled for nearly a year through the different parts of his territory and then, having seen all there was to be seen, he set forth on his homeward way. As the day was very hot and sultry, he commanded his servants to pitch tents in the open field, and there await the cool of the evening. Suddenly a frightful thirst seized the king, and as he saw no water near, he mounted his horse and rode through the neighborhood, looking for a spring before long he came to a well filled to the brim with water clear as crystal and on the bosom of which a golden jug was floating. King Kojata at once tried to seize the vessel but though he endeavored to grasp it with his right hand and then with his left the wretched thing always eluded his efforts and refused to let itself be caught. First with one hand then with two did the king try to seize it but like a fish the goblet always slipped through his fingers and bobbed to the ground only to reappear in some other place and mock the king plague on you said king kojada i can't quench my thirst without you and bending over the well he lapped up the water so greedily that he plunged his face beard and all right into the crystal mirror but when he had satisfied his thirst and wished to raise himself up, he couldn't lift his head, because someone held his beard fast in the water. Who's there? Let me go, cried King Kojada, but there was no answer. Only an awful face looked up from the bottom of the well, with two great green eyes glowing like emeralds. A wide mouth reached from ear to ear, showing two rows of gleaming white teeth, and the king's beard was held, not by mortal hands, but by two claws. At last a hoarse voice sounded from the depths. "'Your trouble is all in vain, King Kojata. I will only let you go on condition that you give me something.' You know nothing about, and which you will find on your return home. The king didn't pause to ponder long. For what, thought he, could be in my palace without me knowing about it? The thing is absurd, so he answered quickly, Yes, I promise that you shall have it. The voice replied, Very well but it will go ill with you if you fail to keep your promise then the claws relaxed their hold and the face disappeared in the depths the king drew his chin out of the water and shook himself like a dog then he mounted his horse and rode thoughtfully home with his retinue when they approached the capital all the people came out to meet them with great joy and acclamation AND WHEN THE KING REACHED HIS PALACE, THE QUEEN MET HIM ON THE THRESHOLD. BESIDE HER STOOD THE PRIME MINISTER, HOLDING A LITTLE CRADLE IN HIS HANDS, IN WHICH LAY A NEWBORN SON AS BEAUTIFUL AS THE DAY. THEN THE WHOLE THING DAWNED ON THE KING, AND GROANING DEEPLY, HE MUTTERED TO HIMSELF, SO THIS IS WHAT I DIDN'T KNOW ABOUT. AND THE TEARS ROLLED DOWN HIS CHEEK. All the courtiers, standing round, were much amazed at the king's grief, but no one dared to ask him the cause of it. He took the child in his arms and kissed it tenderly, then, laying it in its cradle, he determined to control his emotion and began to reign again as before. The secret of the king remained a secret, though his grave careworn expression escaped no one's notice. In the constant dread that his child would be taken from him, Poor Kojata knew no rest, night or day. However, time went on and nothing happened. Days and months and years passed, and the prince grew up into a beautiful youth, and at last the king himself forgot all about the incident that had happened so long ago. One day the prince went out hunting, and going in pursuit of a wild boar, he soon lost the other huntsman and found himself quite alone in the middle of a dark wood. The trees were so thick and near together that it was almost impossible to see through them, only straight in front of him lay a little patch of meadowland, overgrown with thistles and rank weeds, in the center of which a leafy lime tree reared itself. Suddenly a rustling sound was heard in the hollow of the tree, and an extraordinary old man with green eyes and chin crept out of it. "'A fine day, Prince Milan,' he said. "'You've kept me waiting a good number of years. "'It was high time for you to come and pay me a visit.' "'Who are you in the name of wonder?' demanded the astonished prince. "'You'll find out soon enough. "'But in the meantime, do as I bid. "'Greet your father, King Kojata, for me, "'and don't forget to remind him of his debt.' THE TIME HAS LONG PASSED SINCE IT WAS DUE, BUT NOW HE WILL HAVE TO PAY FOR IT. FAREWELL FOR THE PRESENT. WE SHALL MEET AGAIN. WITH THESE WORDS THE OLD MAN DISAPPEARED INTO THE TREE, AND THE PRINCE RETURNED HOME RATHER STARTLED, AND TOLD HIS FATHER ALL THAT HE HAD SEEN AND HEARD. THE KING GREW AS WHITE AS A SHEET WHEN HE HEARD THE PRINCE'S STORY, AND SAID, WHO IS ME, MY SON? THE TIME HAS COME WHEN WE MUST PART. And with a heavy heart he told the prince what had happened at the time of his birth. Don't worry or distress yourself, dear father, answered Prince Milan. Things are never as bad as they look. Only give me a horse for my journey, and I wager you'll soon see me back again. The king gave him a beautiful charger with golden stirrups and a sword, THE QUEEN HUNG A LITTLE CROSS ROUND HIS NECK, AND AFTER MUCH WEEPING AND LAMENTATION, THE PRINCE BADE THEM ALL FAREWELL AND SET FORTH ON HIS JOURNEY. HE rode STRAIGHT ON FOR TWO DAYS, AND ON THE THIRD HE CAME TO A LAKE AS SMOOTH AS GLASS AND AS CLEAR AS CRYSTAL. NOT A BREATH OF WIND MOVED, NOT A LEAF STIRRED, ALL WAS SILENT AS THE GRAVE, ONLY ON THE STILL BOSOM OF THE LAKE 30 ducks with brilliant plumage swam about in the water. Not far from the shore, Prince Milan noticed 30 little white garments lying on the grass, and dismounting from his horse, he crept down under the high bulrushes, took one of the garments, and hid himself with it behind the bushes which grew round the lake. The ducks swam about all over the place, dived down into the depths and rose again, and glided through the waves. At last, tired of disporting themselves, they swam to the shore, and twenty-nine of them put on their little white garments, and instantly turned into so many beautiful maidens. Then they finished dressing and disappeared. Only the thirtieth little duck couldn't come to the land. It swam about close to the shore, and giving out a piercing cry, it stretched its neck up timidly, gazed wildly around, and then dived under again. Prince Milan's heart was so moved with pity for the poor little creature that he came out from behind the bulrushes to see if he could be of any help. As soon as the duck perceived him, it cried in a human voice, "'Oh, dear Prince Milan, for the love of heaven, give me back my garment!' "'and I will be so grateful to you.' "'The prince lay the little garment on the bank beside her "'and stepped back into the bushes. "'In a few seconds a beautiful girl in a white robe stood before him, "'so fair and sweet and young that no pen could describe her. "'She gave the prince her hand and spoke. "'Many thanks, Prince Milan, for your courtesy. "'I am the daughter of a wicked magician.' and my name is Hyacinthia. My father has thirty young daughters, and is a mighty ruler in the underworld, with many castles and great riches. He has been expecting you for ages, but you need have no fear, if you will only follow my advice. As soon as you come into the presence of my father, throw yourself at once on the ground, and approach him on your knees.' Don't mind if he stamps furiously with his feet and curses and swears. I'll attend to the rest, and in the meantime we had better be off." With these words the beautiful Hyacinthia stamped on the ground with her little foot, and the earth opened and they both sank down into the lower world. The palace of the Magician was all hewn out of a single carbuncle, lighting up the whole surrounding region. And Prince Milan walked into it gaily. The magician sat on a throne, a sparkling crown on his head. His eyes blazed like a green fire, and instead of hands, he had claws. As soon as Prince Milan entered, he flung himself on his knees. The magician stamped loudly with his feet, glared frightfully out of his green eyes, and cursed so loudly that the whole underworld shook. But the prince, mindful of the counsel he had been given, wasn't the least afraid, and approached the throne still on his knees. At last the magician laughed aloud and said, "'You rogue, you have been well advised to make me laugh. "'I won't be your enemy any more. "'Welcome to the underworld. "'All the same, for your delay in coming here,' We must demand three services from you. For today you may go, but tomorrow I shall have more to say to you. The two servants led Prince Milan to a beautiful apartment, and he lay down fearlessly on the sofa bed that had been prepared for him and was soon fast asleep. Early the next morning the magician sent for him and said, Let's see what you have learnt. IN THE FIRST PLACE YOU MUST BUILD ME A PALACE TO-NIGHT. THE ROOF OF PUREST GOLD, THE WALLS OF MARBLE, AND THE WINDOWS OF CRYSTAL. ALL ROUND YOU MUST LAY OUT A BEAUTIFUL GARDEN, WITH FISH-PONDS AND ARTISTIC WATERFALLS. IF YOU DO ALL THIS, I WILL REWARD YOU RICHLY. BUT IF YOU DON'T, YOU SHALL LOSE YOUR HEAD. Oh, you wicked monster! thought Prince Milan. You might as well have put me to death at once. Sadly, he returned to his room, and with bent head sat brooding over his cruel fate till evening. When it grew dark, a little bee flew by, and knocking at the window, it said, Open and let me in. Milan opened the window quickly, and as soon as the bee had entered, "'it changed into the beautiful Hyacinthia. "'Good evening, Prince Milan. "'Why are you sad?' "'How can I help being sad? "'Your father threatens me with death, "'and I see myself already without a head.' "'And what have you made up your mind to do?' "'There's nothing to be done, "'and after all, I suppose one can only die once.' "'Now don't be so foolish, my dear Prince.' but keep up your spirits, for there is no need to despair. Go to bed, and when you wake up to-morrow morning the palace will be finished. Then you must go all round it, giving a tap here and there on the walls, to look as if you had just finished it. And so it all turned out, just as she had said. As soon as it was daylight, Prince Milan stepped out of his room and found a palace which was quite a work of art down to the very smallest detail. The magician himself was not a little astonished at its beauty, and could hardly believe his eyes.